Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Hey, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. This is the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich. I am an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture and agribusiness. I think sometimes I say agriculture, sometimes I say agribusiness, sometimes I say both, but uh, so far you've been a pretty forgiving audience, still tuning in every week, and I really appreciate it. I love doing the show. It's given me the opportunity to dive into subjects I'm most interested in, and uh, this week is no different. We're, we're doing a continuation this week of last week's episode on blockchain. It's something that uh, I've been interested in since I heard about it. Uh, we had Aiden Connolly, as I mentioned, on the show um, talking about disruptive technologies, and this was one that he mentioned. Uh, it's one that you know I have not done a very good job of understanding for myself, and I wanted to dive into it, and I thought uh, episodes for this podcast would be a great excuse for me to learn a little bit more personally and, and share what I'm learning along the way. Um, so we're going to continue on from last week. We talked about um, what blockchain is, you know, this new technology that cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are uh, built upon. Basically, it's a universal database that uh, every stakeholder has a copy of. So it's, it's one ledger that everybody has a copy of. Nobody can tamper with it uh, without that being reflected on the overall ledger and, and everyone's copies. So uh, it's a straightforward way to keep an unalterable ledger of, of assets and transactions. Obviously, it's very appealing from a currency standpoint, um, an independent currency, as we're seeing Bitcoin blow up right now. But, but it also can be very interesting from uh, the standpoint of really any supply chain. And uh, agriculture is about as complex of a supply chain as it gets. We, we spoke about last week um, the various stakeholders in the agricultural supply chain as, as just a few examples. You've got the farmers, uh, brokers, truckers, packers, uh, grain elevators distributors, you know, buyers, wholesalers, retailers, uh, etc. Um, and they, they can all be given access to this ledger, uh, this general sort of shared ledger uh, that everyone has a copy of that can record both the assets involved in the supply chain and the transactions along the way at various points. So these can be completely private transactions between two people, you and I, we do business and it gets recorded on the blockchain, we don't share it with anybody, uh, or we can share certain details like, okay, we we, we did business and we need to bring a trucker involved. So we bring him into the transaction as well. So very, very interesting, um, all the possibilities that are here. And if you didn't listen last week, I encourage you to go back. That's episode 80. Uh, go back and listen to that. And uh, let me know Let me know what you think on this stuff. So we talked about last week, the first kind of two ways that agriculture could adopt um, blockchains, kind of the first two applications I saw which are food safety and traceability. Um, and so you got a good taste of those last week. This week, we're going to talk about another three additional applications and opportunities I see for blockchain in agriculture. But before we do, I, I was very cautious, I, I hope. I, I hope this came across. I was pretty cautious last week. I wanted to make sure you knew that while this is extremely exciting and the potential is real and these episodes are about the potential, we have to be realistic about this. A, a supply chain with as many participants as we have does not 
change overnight. So let's start by going through some of the limitations and challenges uh, that we have with blockchain. Obviously, that's one is just enough people need to adopt it uh, to where it actually could be an effective use through the supply chain, because if it's used in certain parts of the supply chain, but not in others, uh, it becomes a whole lot less useful really quickly. And when you're talking about as many stakeholders in agriculture as there are, uh, that can be a real challenge. Another challenge is that it's only as good as the information you put in it. So blockchain is not this magic box that says, oh, I, I know that this coffee came from Honduras because that is the technology. No, that's actually not the technology. Uh, somebody would have had to transact business in Honduras and record that in the ledger originally. So this isn't like a magic bullet that can uh, all of a sudden record everything that happens. People need to actually utilize properly uh, blockchain technology in order for it to be useful down um, down the road. So across the value stream completely. And so I think that's really important to note. Uh, another one is just lack of regulation. It gets really hard for uh, companies to trust a technology unless there's some sort of government involvement. And I know we've got people listening that are small government, no government type people. Uh, but let me tell you, I, I've experienced this firsthand. If people are nervous about what the government's going to do, um, they're just not willing to take the risk. Right. And so some sort of regular regulation, some sort of government uh, involvement, some sort of government adoption um, or endorsement of blockchain is going to be extremely helpful. And I, I'm not sure how willing governments are to do that. I know, for example, China has has banned initial coin offerings of uh, cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin exchanges in the past. I uh, just don't know how well they're, they're going to be to get involved. Um, and we want to make sure that uh, we can do everything we can if this is a technology that can help agriculture to produce trust in the system so that all the stakeholders involved want want to um, to get involved and they're incentivized to, to do so. Uh, the next one is just, and right along those lines, understanding the technical aspects. I, I mentioned last episode, and maybe this is the wrong approach, I don't know, you tell me, you know, I'm not gonna go deep into trying to figure out blockchain. Well, why is it trustworthy? And how, and how do we know that it can't be tampered with? Uh, I am just going to operate on that assumption uh, that that's true. It, it sure seems to be true in the case of, of Bitcoin. Um, I know that there's some cryptographers and really smart people out there, uh, you know, computer scientists that do believe that to be true. I am not going to spend a lot of time questioning that. Now, uh, some people will be in the weeds by the fact that they don't understand that, you know, that they don't understand every technical detail about uh, blockchain and about crypt, you know, crypto cryptography, excuse me. And, and that's a limitation, right? It seems daunting to learn. And, I, and I've been daunted in trying to figure this out myself uh, for agricultural applications. But I, I, I see that as a challenge of blockchain going forward. Uh, then then just the last one I'll mention is blockchain is, is just the, the, the group of technologies that make this possible. What needs to be developed are user-friendly applications for that technology. So, you know, blockchain is, you don't go to blockchain.com, right? And you're on the blockchain. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's not an internet website. It's not an app. Um, it's a platform. So a whole system needs to be built on top of that. And obviously that there are startups doing that. Um, and I hope to have a few of them on the show, but it's going to take some time for that to happen. 
So those are some of some of the limitations I see in, in getting the ball rolling on this. Uh, but I don't want that to overshadow the the potential and the hope. And that's really what I, what I want to focus on is what what could be. Uh, I don't want to ignore the challenges of getting there uh, or the likelihood that it will take some time. But I do want to talk about you know the fact that this could be something really exciting for agriculture. Um, warnings that I gave last time that I'll give one more time again. I'm not an expert. Uh, I did this research basically for these shows. Uh, I don't have a deep background in blockchain, but I'm but I'm learning and I'm sharing and uh, look forward to the conversation that that stems from these episodes. Blockchain is in its early days. It's very early days. Uh, like I said last week, it's, a, it's the digital wild west, just like internet was in its very early days. We don't know. It's nascent, right? Which means it just we we don't quite know exactly what it is yet. Um, but it's kind of fun to speculate, which is what we're doing here, speculating on what it might become. Uh, and then third is is blockchain is not a one size fits all. I mentioned earlier, one of the limitations is it's only as good as the, the data that's put into it, right? So I don't think we need to put it on this pedestal where it's going to solve all our problems because we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. And uh, I have seen in the past where technology is overpromised and underdelivered, and that kind of takes some of the, the good away as well. People just uh, write it off as something that, that didn't live up to the hype. And so let's be cautious about this, that it's not a one size fits all. I think some really interesting applications are going to be built from the blockchain, uh, blockchain technologies, I should say. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to have its own limitations as well. So with that said, let's let's talk about the, the three other areas that, that I wanted to discuss uh, where I thought blockchain really could, could make a difference in agriculture. And it, admittedly, uh, some of these are probably a little further off than the ones we mentioned last week. There's a reason I started with those two is because there are active projects directly related uh, to, to those applications, and those two being food safety and traceability. Um, and also, I could just see a really um, mutually beneficial arrangement, both on the consumer side and the, the producer side, supply chain side of why those might be natural places to go with blockchain uh, right out the gate when I say, you know, right out the gate in the coming years. Uh, but let me set some context here, you know, about my my personal experience and kind of one of the reasons I get excited about um, talking about blockchain. My first job out of college was a grain merchandiser. I was in Amarillo, Texas, and then shortly after that, Etter, Texas, which uh, both are in the Texas panhandle here. Uh, I moved out there from Davis, California and got kind of got to learn the ropes as a grain trade, uh, but a grain merchandiser, grain trader. One of my responsibilities was to find grain farmers that stored their grain on their farm in bins. So rather than taking it to the local elevator, they would store it there. And my mission was to call them and try to bid a higher price for their grain than I thought they were probably getting locally uh, because either, you know, uh, I, I had some sort of arbitrage, so I would sell in one market and buy in another, or maybe because I had a freight advantage to, to a further away destination that was paying a premium in the market. Uh, you know, that could be a whole different podcast. But the, the point being is I would try to buy grain from these farmers who would store it on their bins. Um, and, and that really kind of brings me to the third application that I could see for blockchain headed into it, which is which is transaction costs. And, I, and I'll give you an idea of what I mean in how sort of tedious this transaction was if it happened, if they sold me their grain, right? So they, they would agree to sell me the grain. I would write up a contract by hand, fax it to the corporate office who would the next day print out a contract. I would review it, sign it, mail it to the customer who would receive it 
uh, you know, the following week, sign it, mail it back. And then we would get to the point, you know, assuming that we were in the delivery window uh, where we would set up shipment. And of course, the farmer always wanted it shipped on 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 his time, which understood uh, we would try to line up freight. It was always a mess trying to get the trucker out there at the right time because trucks just want to dump and reload and uh, don't want to necessarily plan for delays or or anything like that. And sometimes it would show up in the middle of the night, just coordinating logistics between me and, and the, the trucker and the farmer was just always an issue. Truck would show up, uh, then they would load the truck with the grain. Usually they'd get a handwritten, what's called a bill of lading, just saying, hey, you know, you took this load. Basically, we, we didn't have a weight. We didn't have grades because it was just kind of loading off the farm. Uh, and then the trucker would deliver it to whoever I had it sold to. And usually where I had it sold, they would have a certified scale. So they'd get a ticket. They would know the exact weight. They would know the exact grades. And um, at this point, the only two people who know exactly what the load weighed and what the grades were, were whoever I had it sold to and the trucker. And so the way that I would get everything settled up on my end is the trucker would have to send me in the mail his tickets or her tickets and invoice so that I could pay them for the the transportation costs. And then I would have the information I needed in order to invoice the person I sold it to and settle up with that farmer. So by this time, by the time I'd finally get settled with the farmer, it was probably 20 to 30 days after the transaction had processed. So, I mean, we if there was ever a problem, if they didn't maybe agree with the weights, they didn't agree with the grades, we were trying to dispute a shipment that literally got eaten by cattle weeks before. It's just really kind of a a process that that created a lot of challenges. So so I say all this and um, I told you that the third way I thought an application for blockchain is in these transaction costs. So you got 20 to 30 days there. If this was all done on the blockchain where we had a smart contract written, which is a contract where the terms are entered into the transaction on, on, on the blockchain technology um, and the trans, transportation provider was actually looped in via blockchain, everybody would be on the same page because we would all share this ledger. On top of that, as soon as the grain was uh, dumped at the destination, we knew the we would all know the exact weights, we would all know the exact grades, and the settlement could actually take place theoretically through blockchain as well. So what was 20 to 30 days could easily become 20 to 30 minute, minutes, you know, after after the, the load is dumped. So I, I think that's pretty fascinating how these transactions, I, I don't think people realize how complicated these transactions are. And that's why I shared that kind of long story, sorry, about grain merchandising and buying the grain from the farmer and how long that took, because it's just so tedious. And that's one load of grain. This happens thousands of times in places all over the US every day. And that's just on the grain side. I mean, similarly, every agricultural supply chain has its own lags in transactions just like this. Well, uh, to prove that this actually is possible here, last October, the first transaction similar to this took place between the Commonwealth Bank of Australia and Wells Fargo. They shipped a, uh, a shipment of cotton actually from right here in Texas, from the Texas coast to China using a blockchain transaction. This is the, the first time, it's about a year ago, so October 2016, uh, that the, that any event like this had taken place. And it was obviously you know done as a pilot, as a way to kind of figure this out. Um, but it was really interesting that you've got banks here now uh, for transaction cost reasons for financing, uh, for ownership, for payment, uh, are using this blockchain technology in order to make these types of transactions. And just like I said, what 
uh, what was probably normally a very long process, especially when you throw customs in there. I mean, I, I can't even imagine all these different uh, customs processes. If you could bring that onto the blockchain, uh, what that could do. I mean, just these transactions can happen instantaneously. And so there's real costs there in terms of, you know, in terms of what it what the physical cost of is on, for example, sending on that money. If it's a massive shipment worth millions of dollars, just the time value of money alone, if you're taking 20 to 30 days is enough to to turn your stomach. But also, you know, just just the time. I mean, the time it takes to get business done. In the meantime, you know, uh, if, if it's somebody waiting on a shipment, they need to maybe it's feed cattle or processed grain, they have to keep running. So what, what does that do to their position and the way that they have to run their business? These transaction costs are real. And I think the blockchain uh, technologies could really, really help. Um, these are just a few examples. Uh, like I said, every agricultural supply chain has their own transaction issues, transactional issues. But when you're talking about this much risk, this much money, um, you're talking about something that does spoil, that does shrink. Speeding up these transactions is, is a, a real, real thing. So uh, I, I think that's an exciting part, which is uh, figuring out these transaction costs and making taking out the friction from the transaction using the blockchain. Back, back to my grain trading example and merchandising, I, I got moved from West Texas to Kansas City because I was helping on a team to open up a new trade area for us. So I went from trading West Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Colorado, Eastern New Mexico to trading Illinois, Indiana, uh, and Wisconsin. And this was a team uh, through a company at the time called DeBruce Grain that we didn't have any assets out there. We didn't own a grain elevator. So all we were doing is that original example. We were calling people who had grain stored and trying to buy it. So in this case, uh, they, they had no idea who I was. And in many cases, they had no idea who the company was either. And here I am calling them, trying to build enough trust with them that they would let me pick up a load of corn that probably costed $15,000 at the time and uh, tell them that, don't worry, I would pay them 20 to 30 days later. So how do you think that went over? <laughs> um, prepaying was not an option for us uh, because of you, you don't know what the weight is. You don't know what the grades are. And frankly, we, we didn't really know the people we were out there starting to work with either. So there was this whole kind of really uh, lack of trust. We knew we were offer we were bidding, excuse me, uh, the, the best price in the market for that grain. They knew we were bidding the best price in the market for that grain. So the holdup was the trust, right? The trust was not built. And and I think about blockchain and I think about the inherent trust that could be in the, pro in the process. And I think about the fourth application, which is opening up new markets. So for that farmer, I was a potential new market. I had an arbitrage going or I had a freight advantage. At that time, we were backhauling against trucks that were hauling DDGs, which are the byproduct of ethanol. Anyway, uh, just a random detail. So I had really, really cheap trucks to take them to a premium market. So I could make money. They could make money. Would have been a great deal, but the trust wasn't built. And I was trying to do all this from the phone in Kansas City. Now, blockchain could start to build that trust because what if for those farmers we could do a smart contract on the blockchain and before the truck left the lot we could have at least some sort of proof of funds so they knew they were getting paid as soon as we settled up with a with an official weight an official grade right rather than 20 30 days we're talking 20 30 minutes the re the risk goes way 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 down and we might be able to do business and that's just one tiny example in fact i use it only because i used the grain trading example on on uh, the last one and just had all this context already set but think about this i mean the amount of markets that could be opened up to a farmer or to 
really anyone in the supply chain uh, if there was inherent trust built into the system. Now, you know, I think about uh, my time in Liberia, uh, which is one of the poorest countries in the world. Uh, It's in West Africa, in in developing countries. And those farmers... I had never seen markets like that where there there was just zero transparency at all. I mean, literally, we were going 30 miles down the road, and the price they got, the financing they got, the terms they got, the shipment they got, everything was just drastically different, and they had no idea. So you've got these middlemen in markets like that that are taking advantage of the fact that there's no transparency whatsoever and what the blockchain could do for, for those folks. Because even though they don't have infrastructure and, and, and financing and all these other things, uh, what they do have is cell phone technology. and they're, they're digitally plugged in because they've just kind of leapfrogged a lot of the infrastructure and gone straight to uh, to mobile. And with, with that, uh, what could the blockchain do to open those folks up to new markets? So I think it's really cool from a, from a new market standpoint for, uh, for farmers first and foremost, but also for, you know, wholesalers, for transportation providers. I mean, everyone along the value chain, you know, nobody's going to complain about new markets opening up. And I think there's a lot of restriction on markets now due to trust. Because like I said last week, you know, the internet's done great to connect us, but it's done very, very little to to get us to the point where we trust each other to make these types of transactions purely over the internet, right? I mean, it happens more and more, Airbnb, Uber, like I mentioned last week, but uh, I think blockchain will do better to build that trust that we know we are not going to be um, uh, host, <laughs> that, that the terms that are set through these smart contracts we can enter into the blockchain are going to be honored. Um, and I, I think that's going to open up some new markets for, uh, for a lot of people. So, uh, the fourth area that I see blockchain really being adopted in the agricultural supply chain is, is through opening these new markets, both in the developed world and the developing world, which I think is um, extremely interesting. And then you start combining these, right? The new markets for somebody in Liberia and somebody like me in, in the U.S. that would love to buy, um, you know, Liberian uh, cocoa, let's say, for example. And I know through the blockchain that what I'm going to end up getting in my in my chocolate bar is going to be uh, from Liberia. And I don't know, you, you start to kind of build these on top of each other. It's, it's really, really kind of interesting opening up new markets for them, uh, giving me the confidence that I'm buying what I think I'm buying over here. Uh, and I just think it's it's really extremely exciting. Right along those lines uh, are, is the fifth area where I could see the agricultural supply chain adopting blockchain technology, and that's in logistics. Um, the logistics of, of modern agriculture are just mind-blowing to me. I mean, just the fact that, that those of us in the developed world can can show up to a grocery store or a restaurant or, or order with one click online, and you never even think about, oh, will this be you know in stock? Will they have the food I'm looking for? You know, I mean, can I make guacamole today? I don't know. Or avocado avocados available. Most of us, now when I lived in, in rural Northwest Kansas, they didn't always have avocados. So maybe that was a bad example, but most of us don't ever have to worry about that uh, because of this massive logistical uh, machine that we have built um, to, to provide us those conveniences or year round, no matter whether they're locally in season or not. Now, first of all, uh, if you've ever gone through a um, a disaster, you know, like uh, the fires recently in California or the floods recently uh, in Houston, you realize how delicate that system is. I mean, in in hours, boom, shelves are cleared, everything's gone, right? 
on, on the other hand, if, if you live in, in not uh, not the developed world, you you know that what I just said is a, a bunch of baloney, right? That it's a very regular thing not to logistically have what you need at, at your disposal anytime you want it to. Uh, so there still are a lot of logistical problems to be solved. And then on top of that, you take the fact that our, the system we do enjoy here in the United States, there are steep prices to be paid for that. And, and, and those prices can come in the form of, of dollars, obviously. I mean, we pay uh, to make sure that is, but also energy costs and frankly, food waste. It, it takes a, a great deal of energy and and a great deal of wasted food to make sure every time you show up at HEB, which is my favorite store, wherever you go, um, that you have fresh, good looking, good tasting uh, food waiting for you. And so there are kind of some hidden problems with logistical aspects of our supply chain right now that, that could that could be solved and, and lead to uh, major environmental benefits and economic benefits uh, as well. So, you know, and then you take in the um, another issue would be on the smaller scale, uh, local food movement, can, the producers that are selling direct to consumers, there are some logistical issues there, whether they're doing a, uh, you know, CSA, cons- um, uh, community supported agriculture, farmers markets, going straight to a restaurant. If you could utilize this blockchain technology so they could transact virtually with distributors and transporters and customers, they could focus more on farming and less on these types of transactions because they can be time consuming. Uh, and I've, I've heard that from numerous farmers who, who are in that boat. So anyway, trying to paint the picture for you for some of the logistical problems. The logistics are fantastic. I'm not trying to say it's a mess everywhere. However, there are some real problems that maybe we don't see just by going to our local supermarket and picking something up. Um, the opportunities with this technology, though, it's it's not an end all be all. We're not going to eliminate food waste just because we're on blockchain. Right. But what we can do is in it's, it's not impossible. It's not it's a little far-fetched, but it's not too far-fetched to think we couldn't use like uh, sensors and the internet of things to actually track not only the transactions that take place in buying and selling, but the data related to the freshness of the product in real time and adjust our logistics accordingly to try to do things like minimize food waste or minimize the amount of time it has to spend in cold storage or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I think that those are really real possibilities logistically that could have real implications for the bottom line. Uh, now, you know, I, I, I think that uh, logistics in general is just something I'm fascinated by. I think this local logistics thing is something I, I have just somehow crossed paths with several times trying to, to figure out local logistics problem. How do you get the, you know, in, in food delivery, it seems like there's a lot of uh, companies that are struggling in that area that are trying to do great things, but it's tough, especially that last, what do they say, the last 200 yards or whatever the case is, you know, kind of that last little distance to get it to your door. It's hard to make that work economically. I think maybe there's some options here uh, utilizing the data on the blockchain in order to uh, to make that a little bit more efficient. So, you know, as you, you may be determining, the opportunities just in blockchain are, are pretty incredible. I just went through five ways I thought the agricultural supply chain might adopt this technology. Uh, first one being in, in food safety. Uh, second one being in traceability, directly related to things like sustainability. Uh, the, the third one just mentioned was about the transaction costs and trying to create a, a less... Uh, 
a more frictionless, I should say, transaction uh, in every stage of the supply chain. The fourth area was in opening new markets for people both in the developed and the developing world. And then the last one is in logistics. Uh, these are just five. These are just some ideas, some categories where I think it's worth attacking. I'm going to spend the next few episodes interviewing people who are more experts who are living this t- you know, technology every day, either through a startup or through other projects that I, I didn't even get to a lot of the research I went into because I've been watching the clock here and um, I'm going I'm going over time. So we have much more to talk about on this topic. I do think we are at the beginning of something that will um, have some major implications for our industry. I, th- I think I, I do believe that. I think just like the internet, we don't know what that's going to look like. If everybody knew that the internet was going to lead to Facebook and Google being as big as they are, obviously it wouldn't have taken so long for them to, you know, to rise into power. And, and similarly, we, we don't know what this blockchain technology exactly is going to do. It's fun to speculate as I have here. I think I'm speculating based on real activities that are happening now that are not horribly far-fetched. Uh, but I would love to hear your, your thoughts. I, I mean, treat all of this uh, like any new idea you would have in any industry. Let's let's treat it with caution, cautious optimism. Um, as as has been proven in the past, change in agriculture often takes time. It's it's such a large and, and complicated uh, industry, and the stakes are so incredibly high that we can't expect that a year from now, if we're not any further in blockchain, that it was just a big bust because that's just not the case. It's going to take time to get everybody um, to to realize the the collaborative benefit benefits to technology like this. But I would love to hear more from you. Uh, you've heard way too much from me on, on the subject. Uh, what do you think of blockchain? Uh, who, who would you like to see interviewed? Who? What perspectives need to be added to this conversation? I, I, I am guessing that some of you are thinking I've been overly positive and excited about blockchain. I, that's okay. I didn't want these two episodes to be about how uh, I didn't want to come across like a blockchain naysayer, because frankly, I'm, I'm not. Uh, but I do want to come across as a blockchain realist and, and one who's willing to dive into what's what the real benefit is. Uh, as you know, from listening to previous episodes, I'm not about the hype. I don't I, I don't get uh, extremely over the top about um, technologies that are just attracting a bunch of money just because they're attracting a bunch of money. I want there to be real value for real people. That's that's what I get excited about. So let me hear your thoughts. I'm at Tim Hamrich on Twitter. I'm Tim at aggrad.com on email. Uh, let's chat. I would love to. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you're still here, thank you. I mean, <laughs> the fact that you you want to hear my thoughts on blockchain really means a lot and that you tune in every week uh, means an incredible amount to me. Hope you had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm excited about 2018 for all of us. Uh, let's get out there and uh, help me uh, give you the most value from the show that I possibly can. We'll be back next week. <laughs>for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com, that's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.